0: All right, thank you. You guys can be seated. Uh, one of the many joys of uh, church plants is you kind of working through some of the kinks. We had, we have one of those fancy uh, Britney Spears mics. Oh, I mean, I should call it a. Uh, uh, what, what was the. Yeah, a headset mic. We shouldn't call it a Britney Spears mic anymore. But, you know, you see your hands free. Uh, But I'll use the the handheld mic. We share mics. I also don't have one of those fancy TV screens that gives me the amount of time that I have left uh, before I've got to get off the stage. So I'm going to start a timer on my phone. Uh, Last uh, week, I was in uh, Salem preaching in Salem. And uh, a few of the jokes that I told uh, kind of fell flat, and that could only mean one of two things. Either they weren't funny, which I refuse to believe, uh, or maybe people didn't realize that they were jokes and that it was okay to laugh at them. And so uh, just let's set a default for this. If it's something that seems like, hey, that might have been a joke that he just told, you can go ahead and laugh at that and give me the benefit of the doubt. They appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, that was... Fantastic. Now, I'm not here for the jokes. I do want to tell you, uh, just a couple of, uh, a couple of things though coming up. Number one, uh, excited to have some of the kids in here with us today. We have some big plans for children's ministry here at Outward Church. We're going to add another tent. We're looking to build out our team and add additional volunteers. And we see children's ministry as not just daycare. We are always aiming at something more than just daycare. Ministry is our aim. We have a, a, an opportunity with kids one hour each week that we then hand off to our parents that they continue that ministry and raising children up. And so we just want to tell you that we've got big plans uh, for children's ministry. Uh, and until we do, kids, we're excited that you're here and a part of this service. Uh, one other thing that I want to make you aware of is we have uh, been going now, this is our fifth week, and so we're we're building out kind of a, a core team, the group of people who are are saying, yeah, this is my church. I want to be about Outward Church, and I want to be a part of what God has planned for this church, and so what we're going to do is we're, we're going to meet together. We're going to discuss kind of the vision about what's going forward. We're going to talk about a building. This is just temporary for us. We're not actually gonna try and pull this off in December. So we're we're actually in the active process of finding a building. Uh and and we started, we began this church uh just kind of with the with the, with the idea, with the saying of, like, let's not overcomplicate this. Let's meet, let's worship God, let's preach the gospel, and we'll figure it out as we go. Well, we're asking you to be a part of that uh, as we as we figure that out. So if you're interested in being a part of that core team, if you could fill out that Connect card that's on your seat and just mark on there, core, we'll contact you. The other option, digitally, you could go to ourchurch.com slash Silverton, and there's an interest form in there, a place where you can write in the notes Uh, that you are interested in being a part of the core team. So before uh, I begin, I'd like to pray one more time as we dive into Galatians 2. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I have um, so much that I want to share, so much that I want to say, but I need you to be with me as I communicate so that I'm sharing what you have to say with these people. The truth of your word, that they would apply it to their lives, that they would be listening to you and to your voice. Will you help us to still in this moment that your voice is all that's heard? We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So with the wind, I learned a couple of things from Tim. I've got a clipboard with stocks, so that's not going to be blowing around. Uh, I was not counting on not having one of my hands, though. So every time I've got to grab a drink of water or flip a page, I'm going to have to lower the mic. So bear with me a little bit as we, uh, as we go. Galatians 2, I want to set the scene. Two acts to Galatians 2. First, Paul, Barnabas, and Titus, they come down to Jerusalem. Okay? And that's where we ended off last week. There was like a, uh, like a test or a making sure, like, are we still united? And, and Paul comes down and is like, Peter, are we still together? And Peter's like, yeah, we're still together. It's still Jesus only, right? Yeah, Jesus only. No circumcision stuff, right? Definitely not. We aren't making anybody get circumcised. All right, cool. Like, we're together. First act. Second act, Peter now goes to Antioch, which is in Galatia. And Peter now is caught up in kind of some old ways. I don't know how you feel about Peter. He's one of my favorite characters, somebody that I identify with. Will he, uh, he's, he has so much passion and zeal. He's just like, let's do this. And he doesn't spend a lot of time thinking about what the implications are. He's just like, let's go. He's the one that said, Jesus, call me to come out and walk on the water. I'll do it too. Right? And Jesus is like, all right, come on, let's go right? I didn't, it was awesome for a second, but then he kind of caught the wind and the waves, started feeling a little bit nervous, and started sinking, right? Peter's also the one who said, Jesus, I will never deny you. I'll die before I deny you. And then later that day, like later that night, uh, he denies Jesus, right? Right there in front of everybody. Uh, and, and in some ways, this is actually kind of a repeat of the same problem that Peter had in that moment when they're like, hey, Peter, aren't you one of Jesus's followers, right? He started feeling the pressure of, of, of the people around him. And he's like, no, 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 that's, that's, that's not me. You're confusing me with somebody else, right? He starts to feel the pressure of the moment, and he defaults to some of his old ways, Okay. So let's, let's jump in, let's dive in, let's take a look. Uh, this is one of those moments I have to remove the mic so that I can turn a page. All right. Verse 11. And if you don't have a Bible, uh, let us know. Put your hand up. We can uh, deliver a Bible to you. We brought some Bibles out. we got some, uh, and you can actually keep that. You can take it home with you or if you've got it on your phone or whatever. Uh, and then we're also going to put it on the screen. Verse 11. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. I just want to point out, number one, Cephas is Peter. It's like his Greek name or something like that. Uh, And he opposed him to his face. Confrontation is good, right? And if you're going to do it, do it to somebody's face, okay? Uh, It doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that he was like, uh, like hard coming after Peter. He's just saying like... I had a talk with Peter, and I did it with him face-to-face. I'm not telling you about something Peter did. I'm not gossiping to you. I'm telling you about a conversation I had with Peter, right? So one of the things that's really helpful as we're looking at this, at this passage, one of the things that's referred to very, or why we refer to this passage a great deal is because it, it is dealing with the way that you talk to somebody about their behavior, There's a personal application for us here, too, about how we would examine our own behavior. But there are some very important uh, principles here in the area of change. I'll give one quick aside to let you know about one thing that Outward Church has, a value that we have, a ministry that we have that is available to you is our biblical counseling ministry. I'm involved with our biblical counseling ministry. My wife is involved. We have a team of people. uh, I think seven or eight counselors all together. Two counseling rooms currently we're we're working on building out this ministry. We are passionate about taking the truth of the gospel and allowing it to transform lives, to change the way that we think so that we'll change the way that we live and act and move and breathe. This is something that we're passionate about and this is something that's available to you at any time for free. You can Sign up, outwardchurch.com slash counseling, and you can meet with one of our biblical counselors. But this is kind of the go-to, the textbook approach when you're talking about confronting someone in the way that they're acting and behaving. I'll move on, chapter two, or verse 12. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. So if you had taken a look at this book that we're all reading, that we do have for sale, or you can pick it up on your own, uh, we're all reading this kind of book together as like a kind of a Bible study. We are preaching in line with this, uh, this book, kind of chapter by chapter. One of the things that was mentioned in there, was that it's not so odd that he pulled back from eating with the Gentiles. What would have been odd is that he was eating with the Gentiles in the first place. Okay, so a little bit of background. If you grew up Jewish, they all of the rules, the ceremonial rules were about maintaining cleanness, cleanliness uh, in order to be in the temple. They had all of these kind of ritual uh, laws, and one of them was like not eating with Non-Jewish people. It's not so odd that he was not eating with them. It would have been odd to see him eating with them in the first place, unless he had been transformed by the gospel, and he had learned from Jesus himself that the law is no longer what is making him right and acceptable before God. In fact, it never was, that it was always faith. So when, when, when they came, he drew back and separated himself. So what we have here is, is, is hypocrisy, okay? So Peter is eating with the Galatians. The Galatians is made up of Greek Gentile. There, there are not very many Jewish people there, right? And he's, he's ministering to them. He's eating with them. He's friends with them. He's together with them. But then in comes the Judaizers, Jewish people who it says come from James uh, believe this is James, the brother of Jesus. Uh, you know, wrote uh, one of the books of the Bible. Uh, now, th- this is not saying that James was preaching this message, but it's not uncommon for some of the 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 lieutenants or the understudies of one particular teacher to, to be taking on some additional items and adding it to the message that they received from the one that they were sent from. So these are J- kind of from James bringing this message of you, you, you also need to be circumcised, right? Adding to the gospel, adding to this saved by faith alone through grace alone, they're adding to it circumcision, And so when these guys come to town, Peter's like, okay, these are influential guys. These are like, you know, people of James. Uh, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to eat with these guys. Don't worry about it, guys. We'll, you know, it's just while they're here, right? And Paul's like, what in the world? Like, what are you doing? That's like, that's like, and Paul's making like a really big deal about it, even though it might seem like kind of a small thing. Like maybe if you you were eating in a cafeteria and your friend's like always hanging out with you until the popular kid comes and then they leave and go sit at that table. And you're just like, wait, are we not friends then? Is that, you know, it it, it might have seemed like an inconsequential thing, but Paul makes a really big deal about it. Why? We're going to get into that. Hypocrisy is what he's calling out. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically with them, with him. This is verse thing, uh, sorry, verse thirteen. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. These people were apparently quite influential, and in reality, they might have seemed quite uh, super spiritual. Because what are they talking about? They're talking about not, not licentious living, not more sinful living, but actually what they're defining as more righteous living. They're coming in and saying, you guys are not doing enough. God's not happy with the way that you're acting. You need to do more. You need to add to what you're doing because this, this message of all you have to do is believe is not enough and God's not happy. Right, So these guys would have seemed quite influential. And in fact, their message is, is one of like that, that, that actually has some attractive elements to it. Because don't we all feel like we're disappointing God in some level? One of the things that I do in biblical counseling is I sit across from somebody and I ask them to imagine that God is sitting right here and I ask God, and I say, what do you think about this person? And I, and I offer to that person to just kind of think about what God's response would be. And often it's, I know he loves me, but I feel like I disappoint him all the time. I'm not quite doing all that I could. I don't read my Bible every day, and I sometimes miss church because I'm feeling tired or or find something more fun to go to. I don't really tithe all that often. I mean, they start to think about all the reasons why they're somewhat of a disappointment to God. And, and, and don't, don't we all at some point have a thought about, are things okay between me and God? I want to get back into what I think is the, the pinnacle Of this text. I think I could spend the entire time talking about verse 14, but I'm going to make sure that I keep a close eye on my timer and respect uh, all of your time. But let's really lean in on the hypocrisy. Paul or Peter has, has blown it. Paul is going to confront him to his face and let's see how he does it. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? All right, what did he just say there? The first part, their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. Another way of, of saying that is they were not walking in line with the gospel. In fact, I'm not usually one who gets kind of into the Greek of uh, text, but I did find it helpful in this case. So orthopodia. Ortho is where we get straight, like uh, it's like uh, orthodontics. You go to get your teeth straightened. So ortho is straight, and podia. It's like a podiatrist, right? It's your foot, but more specifically, it's your walk. Okay, your walk is more than the steps that you take. It's not the actions that you take. In fact, this word is used every time we're talking about kind of the whole of the spiritual life. Right? Even in Galatians later later on, it says, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It says, I believe in uh, John, that if you walk in the light as he is in the light, uh, uh, and and then we often use this term even even now like how is your walk with God so walk is is not only just your actions but it's your thoughts your emotions your feelings uh, your behavior it's it's the direction of your travel it's it's your life your walk okay so the his walk was not in line with the gospel so this is the hypocrisy that we're talking about. Essentially, what he's saying is what Peter has come to know about who Jesus is does not match up with the way that he's behaving. One of the most common criticisms I get about church I don't want to go to church, it's full of hypocrites. They're right. We are all hypocrites. Every single day, in some way, the way that we're acting, our behavior is not in line with the gospel. We are not in step with the gospel. There's something about what we're doing that reveals, I'm not believing, not fully, the truth of the gospel. Let's apply this specifically to this, uh, to this uh, idea here, okay? Okay. It seems simple enough that he just ate with a different group of people, but it was specifically that he was there that he didn't eat with the group that was uncircumcised. Peter was accepted universally, wholly, completely by Jesus. He was given specific revelation about the fact that the gospel is for everyone, that it's not limited to a particular people group. He's preaching that gospel and not walking in line with it. And so here's what Paul does not do. Paul does not say, hey, Peter, you're breaking the don't be racist rule, which there are rules. There are laws throughout Scripture that condemn Racism. But he doesn't say don't be racist. You're breaking the don't be racist rule. He says your conduct, your walk, your life is not in step with the truth of the gospel. What you're doing, how you're living does not line up with what you say you believe. We, we we do this in 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 so many ways. We have. I, I, I want to actually introduce um, this this quote from Martin Luther. Uh, when I say Martin Luther, uh, I'm I'm talking about the one from the 1500s. Uh, he was German. Uh, and so everything he wrote down is German, and then a lot of times we find the stuff translated into Old English, and so I translated it again into something that's a little bit easier to understand, but it's it's a really, I think it's actually really helpful and, and worth the time. He says that the law is divine and holy. Let the law have its glory, but yet no law, be it never so divine and holy, ought to teach me that I'm justified. I'll, I'll stop here just because I, I want to make sure that I, I define terms. Justified is is my position before God. Am I in a good place with God? What does God think about me? It's very closely connected to salvation. Salvation is saved from the consequences of our sin. Well, justified is is like... Placed into a right standing, and we receive all of the benefits just as if I had uh, lived a perfect and righteous life. I'm receiving all of the, the benefits and the standing of living a righteous life. He's what, what, what Martin Luther is saying that no part of all of the rules and all of the laws and all of the don't do this and do this, none of that is helpful for us to improve our standing before God. All it does is reveal we've got a problem where we fall short of God's standard. I'll continue in the quote. It says, I grant it may teach me that I ought to love God and my neighbor, also to live in chastity, soberness, patience, but it ought not to show me how I should be delivered from sin, the devil, death, and hell. It's it's as as I just said. The law is helpful to tell us what it is we should do, but it doesn't do anything for us to get us to do the things that we're supposed to do, though we try. And here's his advice. Here, I must take counsel of the gospel. I must cling to the gospel, which teaches me, not what I ought to do, for that is the proper office of the law. But what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has done for me, namely, that He suffered and died to deliver me from sin and death. The gospel wills me to receive this and to believe it. And this is the truth of the gospel. It is also the principal article of all Christian doctrine wherein the knowledge of all godliness consists. Now, there's one more last part of this quote, but I just want to make sure that we're, we're still together because this is something we've said the last couple of times that we've met together. That the gospel is not the ABCs. The gospel is not merely I believe and now I'm saved and now I get to work on the more mature things to be more acceptable by God. The gospel is not just the beginning of your walk with God. It is the entirety of it. It's all of it. It's the central message. The central gospel is that I'm far more sinful than I ever dared dream, yet far more accepted than I'd ever dared hoped. I cannot save myself. It is by Jesus alone. And that is also, the process by which we are made right with God. It's, it's, it happens in the moment of salvation, and it happens throughout your life. The gospel is how we get our life straight. Though we try really hard to do it on our own, we actually need to go back to the truth of the gospel. And so he closes his quote with this talking about the gospel. Most necessary it is, therefore, that we should know this article well, teach it unto others, and beat it into their heads continually. That's what he said. Why, did, why would he end that with, and beat it into their heads continually? Because, do you remember verse 7 from first from 1? I am astonished that you've turned so quickly to another gospel. Not that there is another one. We so quickly turn to another gospel. We so quickly turn to, I need to do some things to make sure that I'm in a good place with God. So let's beat this into our heads a little bit. An, an illustration that was given to me, uh, there, you have a, let's say you have cancer, okay? I, hope, I, I don't hope that on, on, on any person, but one of the things that you will do is you will go and, and get a, a CT scan or whatever it is, different scanning instruments We'll, we'll, we'll reveal, will confirm, will measure and give you the exact location of this cancer. This thing that will kill you if you don't do anything about. And that, that, that scan doesn't do anything to help you with your cancer. It just shows you it's there. And we, we, we could go back every single day and scan... And scan again and scan again, and every time it's only ever going to show you yes, you still have cancer. When we try to take the law when it says, love God, love your neighbor, don't be racist and we, we wake up in the morning and we say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to figure this out, what inevitably will happen? You'll fall. You'll fail. You'll fall short. So what did that reveal? That you still have a problem. You're still falling short of God's standard. So you see that being good... Doing the right thing, working really hard with a great deal of effort is essentially the same as going back for that scan to reveal, yep, the cancer is still there. What are you saying, Brandon? Are you saying there are no rules? Are you saying we shouldn't try to be good? Yeah. I am. There actually are no rules in the gospel. Our behavior just reveals what we believe to be true. I I kind of made, I guess it was maybe one of those moments where it was unclear of whether or not it was a joke. I I think I was being serious. Uh, We maybe need to be more careful about the good things that we do than we do about the wrong things that we do. Like, like, Like maybe use more caution around doing right things, because the problem is, is if we're successful, if we're successful in trying really hard to be really good, what Paul's saying here at the end of Galatians 2, what Brittany read that we aren't going to necessarily get to today, but we will next week, that nullifies grace. Why did Jesus die? If you could just be really good by working really hard, then why did Jesus die? What was the point? So then Paul asked the the question in Romans, so we should just sin, right? Because the more that we sin, the more grace that we get, right? Like, I love grace. I want more grace. So more sin means more grace. That's actually true. Like, it is unlimited, the amount of forgiveness that we have every single time. But what does it reveal? Paul is not saying, stop it, stop sinning, work harder. He's saying, what does your behavior reveal about what you believe? And, and, and so there it is for us personally. Our walk with God is an examination. When we look at our behavior, when we fall, when we fail, when we mess up, when we're feeling all of the guilt and all of the shame about the fact that I tried and I blew it again, I made this promise to God, and, and, and I blew it again, and I'm constantly making these mistakes, I'm constantly dis- a disappointment, we're asked in that moment to, to really just believe In 1 John 1, 9, when it says, If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. Is that true? When when Jesus says, when God says that you have been made right and are in a right standing with God because of the work of Jesus, is that true? Will we believe it in that moment? See, for people like me, it's actually... um, It's, it's, it's really easy for me to say. I'm not very good at being good. There are some things I'm good at it with, and, and, and in some areas, uh, I've, I've been successful, but here's what happens every time that I am successful in, in, in working hard at being good. I pretty good at that. Uh, Other people should be as good as I am. And you know what? There's probably something wrong with you guys. I'm going to help you be better at that thing that I'm good at and you're not. Right? Pride. Pride. We're judgmental and we become all of the things that the world criticizes about the church as far as being hypocritical. Because we're going to talk about the areas where I'm strong and where you're weak. Instead of saying... Well, we would start by saying to ourselves, is, is my conduct in line with what I believe about who Jesus is, about what he's done, about who he says that I am? Or am I also a hypocrite? Good news, if you're like me and like Peter, when you fail time and time again, Jesus sees every single one of these opportunities as training. He was training Peter. Every time he asked him to do something impossible that required faith, Peter failed. And who is Peter? Peter means means rock, right? The rock on which Jesus would build his church. That's what he told Peter he was going to do in his life. And even after Peter is leading the church, he's the head guy. He goes up to Antioch, and he fails again. So he's out, right? We canceled him after that. Galatians 3 says Peter was canceled. Paul took over. Oh, no. Guess what Guess what Peter did? He had in that moment a decision to make. Am I going to believe what the gospel says even now that I've been proven, shown that I'm a hypocrite in front of all of these people and say, yeah, Paul's exactly right. I blew it. My behavior was not in line with the gospel. And that's what I care about more than anything. These are not just Brandon's words. When I say when I say that, that Jesus is asking you to stop trying to do good things, I'm not just making that up. Listen, listen, listen to his words. Listen to the words of Jesus from John 15. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless... You abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing apart from Jesus. Try as hard as you can. Try all week this week and come back and hear the follow-up message to this. That when we do, like, not only are we doing it wrong, but we're, we're, like, erasing the work that Jesus did, making it unnecessary that he even made that sacrifice in the first place. We're saying we don't believe that it's true. We don't believe that he fully saved us. And sanctified us and justified us in that moment. There's, there's so many more things that I want to share with you, but I want you to hear the heart of Jesus. This is his invitation to you. And this is his invitation to you. If you're really good, if you're really good here, right? And you're, you're, you're maybe a little bit offended by the idea that there's no rules in Christianity, This this is the message to you, but if you're also here and you are like cannot figure out how to get this right, and everywhere you look you see people who are doing better than you, and and you're only failing and you're only a disappointment. This message is for you too. Listen to the words of Jesus. It's to both people, the ones who are working and the ones who are failing. He says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Whether you're striving and you're successful or whether you're striving and you're failing, what's being offered is rest. And so we have an opportunity to to, to decide right now, do we believe that or do we not believe that? Are we going to add to that or are we going to not add to that? So we're going to have communion. And and the way that we do that at Outward Church, I'm going to invite the guys to come forward. They're going to stand in different spots and you're just going to get up. Just get up right where you are and grab communion. And we're going to decide right now, do we believe that? Do we believe do we believe that Jesus did what he said? He did that he accomplished what he said that he would accomplish. Go ahead, get up. Grab grab the juice. There's two cups. Bread, juice. If you're a believer here, we're going to do communion together. And so we have the opportunity every single week to say I believe it. It's the only thing It's the only thing that can save me. It's the only thing that can make me right. If you've been saved for a long time, there maybe have been a bunch of things you added to the gospel, things that you work really hard at, try really hard at, and are pretty proud of. We're going to go back then to the gospel. If you're not yet believing or you just started believing, you can go ahead and take the cup and the juice back to your seat. We're going to take it together if you're not yet believing, it really is just faith. Faith is what saves us, and faith is what perfects us. Faith is what conforms us into the image of Jesus. It is always a daily decision to trust God at his word. So we're going to take the cracker together. This represents his body as we enter into a time of repentance. Take the body now. This this is what we focus on every single moment throughout the week. I want you to think about the ways that you failed this week. The ways that you tried really hard. The ways that you blew it. Maybe the ways that you didn't even try. And you're feeling guilty about the fact that you didn't even try. Jesus' body covered that. It covered that and you have a choice are you going to believe it you believe that it's true I'm going to drink the juice now this is the blood of Jesus poured out for you that has, that has given you your position before God he's not disappointed in you you're his son you're his daughter he plans to give you all that he has He's asking you to just believe that. Not just for salvation, but for your justification too. You are in a right standing with God because of your faith, not by anything you do. We're going to sing here. There was a song that we sang in the first set. Hallelujah. All I have is Christ. That's good news. I don't have anything else. Hallelujah. Jesus is my life. There isn't anything else. We can't add to that. Are we going to believe it? Are we going to add to it? Let's sing. Let's praise God. Let's worship him for that truth.